0: Just go to indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Welcome into Kendall State Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento B, the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. And the Rams signed Odell Beckham Jr. Chris and I are going to use that bit of news to dive into a conversation about why the 49ers don't make big splash moves like this. And when they do, why they don't tend to pan out. And then we'll get into the pick six as we preview the 49ers Week 10 matchup against the aforementioned Los Angeles Rams.
0: Let's get into it. Blue liar. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver
2: territory. Kittle is gonna go! Touchdown! Close has got him in a second back inside. The- quick pass caught by Kittle.
1: he dives and he's in. touchdown 49ers I love NFL free agency news in
3: mid-november yeah it was um it was really I really enjoyed just like those 10 minutes on Twitter when it was like Odell Beckham's choosing between two teams versus the people reporting that Odell Beckham picked the Rams and um, just the variations of ways the information was was disseminated, <laughs> I I really enjoyed that that part of today. If you if you don't um if you don't know what I'm talking about, go through the, the timelines of some of the prominent NFL reporters from uh, from Thursday afternoon about one o'clock. I think it was uh, it was fun.
1: Our original plan was to have Jordan Rodriguez of the Athletic on. And Jordan was actually the first one who, maybe half an hour before it became official that Beckham joined the Rams, tweeted like, hey, by the way, the Rams are involved. Yeah. And she did the same thing with Matthew Stafford. And all of a sudden, everybody's reporting that the Rams are involved, and then Odell Beckham Jr. is on the Rams. She texted me a short while after that news broke and said, hey, by the way, I'm a little busy tonight. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Fine. That's is fair. it is it a good so look she, for she's our podcast
3: to... that that jordan's not coming on or a bad look? Because I I would argue it's still a good look. Like it's th- th- these are no. the quality of guests we attract.
1: Right. No. exact No. That's exactly what it is. We're not we're not getting some hack blogger from NinersWire.com who <laughs> who's going to throw up a couple posts and be no, good to go. We're getting two of
2: them. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> No, um, no, it speaks well for our pod. And she was also very complimentary of you and I and uh, is, is excited to see at least you in the press box on Monday night.
2: Oh,
3: that's nice. That was relayed to me. She didn't, so, right. she didn't tell me, we're but a, I'll, I guess we'll see her on Monday. That's fine. We're uh, big time. So, <laughs> We know somebody who broke news.
1: Ipso facto, you're welcome for breaking the Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> news. That was all us. So, yeah, Jordan Rodriguez not joining the pod, but we're still going to talk about the Odell Beckham Jr. move, and we're going to talk a little bit about the 49ers-Rams game via our pick six segment that we do before each game. So the way I want to talk about the Odell Beckham Jr. thing is not so much what does this do, what does this mean for the Rams, what does this mean for the 49ers. The Rams' offense got better. That's yeah. how it is, Re- regardless of whether he's the number 1 receiver or the number 3 receiver. he's Their offense got better. So this also, I don't think matters for the 49ers, at least on this Thursday, because the 49ers are three and five, the Rams are seven and two. The 49ers are, are not in the same tier or the same conversation that the Rams are in terms of the NFL hierarchy. So I don't even care so much about like, Oh, the Niners now have to guard Odell Beckham jr. On Monday, they were going to have a hard time guarding Cooper cup and Robert woods. It just got harder. So What I want to talk about, Chris, is not so much why the Niners didn't sign Odell Beckham Jr., because I don't think they were an option. He wanted to go to a playoff contender, the 49ers, through nine weeks. They're not that.
3: Yeah. A lot of people are like, why didn't they sign this free agent? Why didn't they just in general? And it's like the free Mm -hmm. agent has to want to sign. When the free agent has options, he has to want to come. It's not always up to the team to just like go get every good player. That's that's not how it works. Anyway, proceed
1: but i do think there's something to that in when when you look at what the chiefs did this off season they had a problem on the offensive line they just flat out overhauled their offensive line top to bottom and they're struggling a little bit right now they're they're going through it some but patrick mahomes is going to hit a rookie wall eventually and he finally hit it 4 years <laughs> in <laughs> So Patrick Mahomes got some stuff to figure out, but the Rams specifically because they're in the 49ers division. And I think the the Cardinals did this a little bit too. When you saw them go trade for DeAndre Hopkins, they they draft Isaiah Simmons and then Zayvon Collins. And then they go out and they get A.J. Green. And they have a bevy of receivers, but they still go draft hyper-talented Rondell Moore. You saw the Seahawks do that with D.K. Hey, Here's this super talented guy. We're going to figure out how to use him. Um, and the Rams specifically, the way they've built, is they had Aaron Donald, but Jalen Ramsey was available. Here's some first round picks for Jalen Ramsey. Uh Odell Beckham Jr. is available, gonna sign him. Von Miller's available via trade. Here's a couple of day two picks. Get Von Miller. Whereas the 49ers, it feels like to me, and this is this is where I want to to uh, this is what I want to ask you, because it feels like what the Rams are doing and what other teams around the NFL are doing are going quote-unquote all-in basically every year right and the 49ers go about their team building in a way that their first four draft picks from this year can't get on the field because they're they're red-shirting guys or they they have this like they trade DeForest Buckner for example rather than signing him because hey this is your second best defensive player keep him and then let the Eric Armsteads of the world go and let the Jimmy Wards of the world go and figure out how to replace those guys instead of trying to figure out how to replace DeForest Freaking Buckner. Right. Who might be the second best player at his position in the league. Right. And I wonder if this is a something that needs to change philosophically with the organization, because I don't think what they're doing and how they're going about building their team with this sustainable Super Bowl window is going to compete on a year to year basis with the teams that are going all in like the Rams, uh, like the Cardinals, like the chiefs, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't believe I left them. Right.
3: So it's, it's obviously a a very broad and wide ranging topic. What one thing that I think is probably a little bit underrated in, in the Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo discussion, just aside from developing Trey Lance and all that one of the reasons you get a rookie quarterback is to have a rookie contract, right? Right. So you have a whole lot more financial flexibility and it just so happened that the 49ers decision to go get Trey Lance came as the cap was down two years because of the pandemic. Right. Right. And so that's obviously problematic. The other, the other problematic aspect of it is their insistence on keeping Jimmy Garoppolo and the idea that you couldn't possibly compete compete with Trey Lance, despite having a really good roster, right? Like if the 49ers, mm-hmm. after they made the trade or even early, even before they made the trade, like they could have done it at the same time, but they, there's a, there's a world in which their offseason was we're trading, we're cutting or trading Jimmy Garoppolo. We're just getting that money off of our books. We're mm-hmm. going all in on the quarterback we take. And then maybe they're more aggressive in free agency to sign uh, or trade for you know some of these players that would really help them, but right. because they went into the season thinking, okay, Trey Lance isn't isn't ready, we don't trust him to contend. We were we played in a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo two years ago, like let's let's just pay Jimmy Garoppolo and and not have that financial flexibility because you know Jason Verrett was so awesome last year, right? So the Niners do want to make those splashy deals. Um, And the reason why those deals are so appealing is because you get certainty, right? When you trade for a veteran, you more or less know what you're getting. Whereas in a draft, like a draft pick is a crapshoot, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you really, a lot of times you really need to roll sevens, right? Like drafting Fred Warner in the third round, all pro linebacker starts from week one. That's rolling a seven basically, because you can't, you can't like, say we expected Fred Warner to be a star because he's a third round draft pick. If everybody expected Fred Warner to be a star, he would have been drafted in the first round. So like you roll some sevens, you, you know, you draft George Kittle. Eventually you're going to have to pay some guys. And ultimately what the 49ers did is the certainty that was DeForest Buckner as one of the best players on the team, a tone setter for the locker room, a guy that they really needed like a foundational piece You know, Jimmy Ward called him the heart and soul of that defense. And that defense was the reason they went to the Super Bowl. Like, that's the certainty that those teams want. And the 49ers decided, you know, all right, we like Eric Armstead. We like Jimmy Ward. Uh, We need, you know, we have a quarter. Back then, they weren't planning on getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. So they were operating as if Jimmy Garoppolo's money was still going to be on their books if they Mm -hmm. would have known that they would have punted on Jimmy Garoppolo a year later in finding his replacement in Trey Lance, you know, then they could have signed DeForest Buckner because they had a rookie on a, they had a quarterback on a rookie contract. So it's the way they've managed that. That's why the Buckner thing is, is such a massive decision and why it's so important because like, it is very clear what this team is missing is players like DeForest Buckner right? Mm -hmm. Not even just from their production on the field, like during the week of practice, like Buckner, like the Niners just, they're too talented to have those games like they did against Arizona. Absolutely. They're just way too talented. They should have won that Mm -hmm. game by two touchdowns. Yep. Right. Like they came into the season convincing everybody, uh, myself included, that they're a playoff team. (laughs) And when you do that, and when you, you know, basically try to replicate the same formula from two years ago, even though the entire offseason was about the future and not replicating 2019, then like, this is kind of what, what's going to happen. You know, it's just been, it's just been a, a perfect storm of bad decisions coming back to, to bite Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch. But I think ultimately they would love to be able to just throw a couple first round picks and go get a star but they can't do that now because they had to go get Trey Lance. Right. So that's ultimately the thing. Like, as badly as they want to do it, they can't really. What I will say well, they can't is that now. Their, their avenue towards doing that is freeing up Jimmy Garoppolo's money and then mm-hmm. giving it elsewhere. The problem with that, too, is like if Debo Samuel has another year like this, like he's a $20 million a year player. Right. If you're paying and Nick that's... Bosa, if you're paying Nick Bosa, that's like 27 a million, 27 million a year, because that's what his brother got. Right? Like if right. Nick Bosa keeps At this least.
2: Up,
1: yeah.
3: So then you're tying up even more money. And then it's like, all right, so now you have Trey Lance, and all you're doing is keeping the players you already have.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like you need these draft picks that you just made to play well, but the 49ers are hell bent on not really developing them. And Kyle Shanahan is it's just weird, man. Kyle Shanahan. Can we talk about Thursday a little bit? Yeah. Like Kyle Shanahan, a theme from him this season has just been the the messaging and the way he's willing to talk about his rookies, and that does does not instill confidence in his players. He he a, c- a couple of weeks ago, and this was the first real glaring, obvious sign of it. Him saying that he's not going to want to give up on the season by playing rookies was just a a real signal that like i don't trust any of these guys and it's just a problematic place to be like we don't need to you know i'm i'm not going to pretend i know the re like whether or not these guys are any good or whether or not the coaches are bad at developing them but what needs to happen is when you draft these guys they need to play because Drake patrick and josh norman And Daniel Brunskill cannot be the reasons your draft picks aren't playing. Like that is a symptom of something bad,
2: right? Right.
3: Like to me, that's the whole thing. I don't know what the disease is, but that's a symptom of of something bad. And so that falls directly on Kyle Shanahan because he's the one who put together this coaching staff, and it falls directly on him because he has all the personnel power. And this Mm -hmm. is the classic example of why. Coaches often struggle when they have personnel power because not every coach can do it, and even the best coaches are, who who have personnel control are bad at it. And so I think that's except what we're seeing for Bill Belichick. Now. Yeah, but even even Belichick's had a blind spot for re- like receivers, receivers and playmakers forever. Like unbelievable. He's, he's always been able to put together a defense,
1: right? But it's and it's that's a- and that's and that's I think why we harp so much on this year's rookie class. Because if if they were going to go about this roster the way they did, they needed contributions from their draft class. If you were going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo and his $25 million on the books, you weren't going to be able to go out. We saw what they did in free agency. They they re-signed Trent Williams. They shorted up the center position with Alex Mack. They re-signed Jason Verrett. They re-signed Emmanuel Mosley. They just re-signed their guys. Kyle Juszczyk was in there and some other kind of fringe guys. But when you do that, you then need to use your draft capital effectively. And that's where, so the Rams, the for example, the the Rams were sitting there at pick number 88, and the 49ers got on the horn and said, we'll give you two fourths for that third round pick. And the Rams said, great, we'll take them. Yep. And you just throw darts at the dartboard in the back half of the draft. <laughs> Because if you took the 49ers draft since 2017, and I haven't, I haven't done this exact math, but you just eliminated the first two days and only gave them their draft picks from the last day, rounds four through seven, I think they'd be okay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah I mean, we can go through the list. There's, it's definitely interesting. Because it happened this year, right? Like Jalen Moore is better player than Aaron Banks right now. Yeah, Elijah Elijah
1: Mitchell is better than Trey Sermon. Right. George Kittle is better than anybody else they drafted in 2017. Yeah, you know it's a big joke. Like, oh, the fifth round's the money round, but it's like if that's the case, if I don't know what it is, I think what happens, and I've said this before, but I think early in the draft they try to be like smarter than everybody. And then later in the draft, they're just drafting like guys like that's a football player. That's going to be a good player. We'll take him. This is good value. And if that's the case, if you if whatever they're doing, and maybe it's coincidence, but if whatever they're doing is finding these really good starting quality players, not everybody's going to be George Kittle in the fifth round, yeah. but if you're finding a Jalen Moore who can fill in at either tackle position or you're finding a D'Ambidor Lenore who look, you know, pretty good early on before, before he got relegated to the bench, you find Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round. If you can kind of continue doing that with, you know, seven picks instead of three over those final couple rounds, final few rounds. Now you give yourself the ability to kind of replenish your roster while also rostering this really high caliber talent. Yeah. And I think the 49ers are kind of trying to do both. And obviously not because they traded all their first-round picks for the next couple of years for, for Trey Lance, but on top of needing Lance to be good, which they do, we've seen the importance with... Watch the Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl. Like having a having a high-quality roster, high-quality players on your roster is it vital regardless of how good your quarterback is. Right. And so I know a lot of it comes down to, well, if Trey Lance is good, everything's fine. That's true a little bit, but not if they keep just burning draft picks on guys who can't get on the field.
3: I.E. Jalen Hurd,
2: who was released Thursday, by the way.
3: Yeah. Jalen Hurd released Thursday. I think the most viewed video I've ever put on social media was from training camp this year and it was like seven seconds of Jalen Hurd doing like a release on like an individual drill and it got like seventy five thousand views. Like for Jalen Hurd. It, it was <laughs> the It's wild nobody's? how it's it's wild how much power a good preseason game can have when you're like when you well, play receiver for like a very receiver starved fan base.
1: Well and remember too He was the ultimate manifestation of positionless football for Kyle Shanahan. He was a running back, tight end, wide receiver, hybrid, big slot. Wait till he learns to play outside. He's going to line up everywhere. And then he scores two touchdowns in his first preseason game. And it's like, holy shit, this is the greatest football player ever. I thought he was going to be Chase Claypool. Like I thought he was going to be what
3: what Chase Claypool turned into. I had a punchline coming.
1: Oh, just. I was gonna mind. say, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was gonna sorry. say he died so Chase Claypool could live. But... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I didn't know where you're going, I promise. No, it's all good. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that funny of a joke. Um but yeah, so I just it's it's something that there are multiple problems we're discussing here. Right. And that's why I think that if this year continues trending the way it's trending and they go six and eleven or five and twelve or whatever they're gonna go. I think it might actually be good because it's going to force them to look at what did all the successful teams do this year and how do we contend with those teams? Because I think 2019 happened. So 2017, they get Garoppolo. They go 5-0 and in his five starts. He gets hurt early in 2018. 2019, he's healthy. They go to the Super Bowl. 2020, he gets hurt again. They're looking at 2021 and going, well, hey, we don't have to change anything. Garoppolo just needs to stay healthy. Right. And the irony is they couldn't keep DeForest Buckner because they were paying Garoppolo. But the only way a guy like Garoppolo is going to go to the Super Bowl is if you have a player like DeForest Buckner. Anyways, catch (laughs) 22. (laughs) But it's a good point. It's a very good point. But I think, I think this is going to force them, at least it should, to look at as a whole what they're doing when they're putting a roster together. Yeah. Because there's no way that you can look at, what they did this offseason and throughout this season, and then look at what Tampa Bay did in winning the Super Bowl last year and look at what the Rams did in becoming extremely competitive this year. I mean, the Rams went all out to get Matthew Stafford. Then they went and got Von Miller, and then they went and got Odell Beckham Jr. This is on top of already having Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. That team is freaking loaded.
3: Do the 49ers, and- do the 49ers win a Super Bowl if they keep DeForest Buckner and sign Tom Brady? Yes. Two, two I think pretty so. big decisions.
1: I think so. Now, and I, in, for the now, record, I was,
3: I was mostly for bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back. I was, too. In
1: hindsight, it was wrong. Yeah. But at the time, it was the, Tom Brady was awful in 2019. Yeah. To, he was really Relative bad. Relative to and, Tom and, Brady. Yeah. And, right, right. And Jimmy Garoppolo was good. And it was like, oh, if he's healthy, like, this is, he's got another level to get to. And Tom Brady is 42 and declining. Right. Like that's that. Now there were some people who were like, "Bring him in; he's the goat." And you know, fine. The other thing, though, with that, it, which is while we're on the topic for a moment, is us yes, is is if Tom Brady comes into the win the Super Bowl, does Nick Bosa still get hurt in week two? You know, does right. Raheem no. Mostert still deal with injuries all year? Like all right. that's let's, so. Let's, I'm trying
3: to have fun with this conversation.
1: <laughs> no, I I know no, what you that's... mean. I
3: know what you mean,
1: <laughs> but. So I think they, they might have, but I, don't, I think they're in a better spot than they are right now. They're not three and five right now.
3: Tom Brady has like 30 touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> I, or, or I don't even know, but bananas. he's like... He's... Would
1: Kyle Shanahan be able to coach Tom Brady?
3: <sighs> that's, a, that's a good question, because one thing about Tom Brady is he's basically the offensive coordinator. Right. So it would certainly be a test to them both. I think I think it could absolutely work because there would be a mutual respect that's required.
1: And also Tom Brady's older than Kyle Shanahan. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, he is. You're right.
1: Um what a weird thing. There's so many, there's there is a there's a fascinating like bunch of what-ifs with the 40 yes Yeah, it's a lot of sliding doors moments. Yeah. And so that's so that's where. Bringing this all back to Odell Beckham Jr. I think that this season and what the Rams have done is going to force the 49ers to look at themselves and say, what are we doing now? And how do we compete with teams that are going to do that year in and year out? Because the Rams are going to do that year in and year out. Like the cap is going to keep going up, barring another pandemic. And you can just keep kicking the salary cap can down the road. Like that's how the saints are able to operate despite having negative cap space. Or six dollars or whatever they had going into this off season because you can manipulate the cap and and that's i know the 49ers are constantly looking down the road and five-year plan and this and that but at the same time i don't care about five years from now like can right. you compete this year and if the answer is yeah maybe if x y and z go right And not, yeah, because when the trade deadline comes, we're going to go get Von Miller, and then we're going to get Odell Beckham Jr. And, oh, we need to fix our quarterback situation, so we're going to go get Matthew Stafford. Like, they need to, they, what they're doing now is never going to be able to compete with teams doing that. In their division, outside their division, in their conference, or outside their conference.
3: The other side of that point, the Emmanuel Sanders trade, what it was for a third and a fourth i believe yep in the 2020 draft the niners didn't pick in the second third or fourth rounds Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and i think you could look at this team and and you know point to areas where clearly it shows right so like that's the price of going in on somebody like emmanuel sanders and you know i think they they didn't have the 2020 pick because of the d4 trade um the second, the second round pick. Olympic, yeah. Yeah. So they didn't have picks in two, three. So that's the other side. Like you have to you have to absolutely nail those. Like when you do make those trades, you have to nail them. Because absolutely. they will come back to bite you. And Emmanuel Sanders was a good trade, but like I mean, keeping him wouldn't have, wouldn't have been crazy. No. I forget exactly what their free agent situation was, but like it it wasn't he wasn't like out of the ballpark in terms of like what they could actually afford they just would have had to make sacrifices elsewhere and i get why they didn't but you know having him running him for a third and a fourth round pick like you know fred warner was a third round pick yep so that's that's sort of that's the other side of it but to your point like they do need to be aggressive and i think the path for them like there's especially
1: since if you're gonna whiff on draft picks
3: Right. I mean, they have to hit on draft picks. That's that's obvious, and that's that's true for everybody.
1: They've basically gone two consecutive drafts. They,
3: yeah. I mean, Brandon see, is really five. Go ahead. Go sorry, ahead. You cut
2: out.
1: No, they had so they had five picks in twenty twenty. Brandon Ayuk's the only real impact player of those. Javon Kinlaw's out for the year. Colt mckivitz just got called up from the practice squad. Charlie Warner is a third tight end, and Jawan Jennings can't get snaps at receiver. But also you're that telling Charlie Werner
3: is the second tight end.
1: Okay, fair. Charlie Werner is the second tight end. But he doesn't provide anything in the passing game. Like he's a blocking tight end. And then none of their first four picks from this year can get on the field. So it's like of their last their those nine consecutive draft picks, one guy is an impact player. And even Brandon Ayuk's impact is has been minimal this year. You can't, you can't say that you're not going to go make these trades because you're keeping your draft picks and then get these draft picks and miss
3: all of them (laughs) (laughs) you're right i wouldn't say they've missed on all of them but like they're i mean they're not getting any contributions from them this year which is real problematic because they've needed these dudes before so what's going to be fascinating with them is going to be Like, their Debo Samuel decision is one of the more fascinating they have on the entire roster. Really interesting. Because there's a a possibility that you just replace Jimmy Garoppolo's money with Debo Samuel Mm -hmm. while you have Trey Lance on this rookie contract. And then the rookie contract helps because you can pay all these guys, but it's also like, well, can we bring anybody else in? Because if you you look at it... But the, the, the thing with Debo is the durability right and that was the thing that made DeForest Buckner sort of the perfect player was because he was just mm-hmm. always available you could count on him all the time if the 49ers knew Debo Samuel was never going to miss games they'd sign him to 20 million dollars in a year and feel great about it they would give him the Amari Cooper contract or whatever and feel fine but the issue is is when you pay the wrong guys like they paid D mm-hmm. Ford that didn't work out. They paid Weston Richburg, that didn't work out. They paid Jerick McKinnon, that didn't work out. Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander is a big one. Um Eric Armstead. Yeah, and Armstead's a fine player, but like the the decision was in the 49ers' mind Armstead and Ward in the pick versus Buckner and like it just goes to show how good of a player Buckner is, right? Because Kinlaw, Loz- mm-hmm. I mean it's clear that Buck that Buckner is more valuable than than those three assets at this point. And it, it
1: it's it's like they're looking at they're looking at premium positions and going, well, defensive tackle is not a premium position, and you can justify it with Eric Armstead because he technically plays defensive end as well. Whereas DeForest Buckner is only inside. That's not where we're going to allocate the money. So trade it because that's good business, and it's it's about having good players. And and having the best players possible on your roster.
3: The thing about 2019, too, was that they did draft well. They -hmm. had a lot of their best players on rookie contracts. Mm -hmm. George Kittle, Fred Warner, um, Debo Samuel, uh, DeForest Buckner was on his rookie contract at that point. Eric Armstead was not on a big contract at that point. Mm -hmm. Both obviously on a rookie contract. So like when when you have to pay these guys, it gets a lot harder, and it puts the emphasis on your draft picks. And if you're not going to deal your your draft picks for guys like Von Miller and Odell, well, you don't. I mean, Odell Beckham was a free agent, but
1: Matthew Stafford,
3: yeah, Matt Stafford. Like if 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 you're gonna make like if you're not gonna nail your draft picks, and you might as well trade them. If you're gonna keep your draft picks, you have to hit on them
2: mm-hmm.
3: because it's just not a sustainable strategy. And I, and I just wonder. You know, we're see- we're seeing a bunch of symptoms. I just wonder what the illness is. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the thing. Like, there's no access, right? Like, we get press conferences and two players a day, you know, hit the podium and whatever. It's not – we're not in the locker room. We can't really get a pulse of what's going on, so. Right. But I think it's – I think it's a lack of leadership and, you know, like Joe Staley, Richard Sherman, DeForest Buckner. I think that's all that's all big um, that's why i wrote about it on sunday they just like that that trio collectively like in 2019 they didn't have just like a stinker they didn't have a game where they just went out there and got their ass kicked and that's super rare in the nfl even for good yeah. teams right well, like the, the three ravens losses were all last second losses yeah they were they were by a combined like 10 points or something They lost to the Seahawks in overtime. They lost to the Ravens on a last-minute kick, and they lost to the Falcons on that wild Julio Jones play near the end of regulation.
1: Yeah, and then the Falcons scored a touchdown on the laterals on the kickoff, which lopsided that score a little bit. So, But I think it was a combined 13 points.
3: They brought it every week is really the point I'm making. And to me, that's a reflection of the players in the locker room and the leaders and the tone setters they had. Like, we're bringing it every week.
1: Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's not what we're seeing right now. Yep. And
1: I think that it's going, I'm fascinated to see this off season and what happens organizationally and what happens in the locker room next year.
3: There's chatter. We've heard it on the broadcast a little bit. I think Greg Papa said it on his ask Papa show this week that like, it doesn't sound like Kyle Shanahan's closing the door on, on bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo next year. It probably that wouldn't be, be it probably wouldn't be on on, you know, 24 million or 26 million whatever he's owed.
1: But that doesn't that would you want to talk about like unless unless he has determined that what's ailing this team right now is that Jimmy Garoppolo is not the sure starter. And that if he, was, if he was the franchise guy, then everybody would be back on board or something. But I can't imagine that's the case. So, But Ky- I just don't know. I don't know if anybody would show up to Levi's Stadium if they went 5-12 <laughs> this year and then ran it back. Kyle Shanahan, after trading for trailings.
3: Kyle Shanahan basically confirmed... We talked a little bit about Mike Silver's report um, last week saying that he talked to people inside the building who said trey lance regressed since the start of training camp um and i asked i asked kyle shanahan that today and he tried to dodge the dodge the question but he didn't really dodge it especially at the end (laughs) yeah especially at the end he basically said something to the effect of like yeah but you could probably say that about everybody on our roster like first of all so yeah you're Trey Lance probably regressed second of all everybody on your roster regress you think your entire roster regress is that your way of dodging this question like he's he's (laughs) he's, he's been doing this thing where he like just publicly he just like does not act like he enjoys his players like he or not enjoys but he's not happy with his players outwardly like it's very odd because even like even other coaches on bad teams would never say bad things about their players publicly. And Kyle Shanahan, going back to like the, you know, we would be giving up on the season if I were to play rookies thing. Like he's just very openly expressing frustration with his players and not really hiding behind it. And like the team kind of looks like it's coaches, not all in on its players. You know what I mean? Like the way the team's playing sort of reflects the idea that like, man, our coach hates us, (laughs) you know? And like, if you're
1: afraid to make a mistake, you're going to start making mistakes. Yeah. And I think that's what it's just kind of like a,
3: that's the most confounding thing aside from just the the decision to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo to me is just Kyle Shanahan's outward. Like, you know, he's not, he doesn't have a good poker face. And he's always you can tell exactly how Kyle Shanahan's feeling because he's not good at putting on a facade, right? And so when he says things like "Yeah, you know our, our rookie quarterback regressed in training camp," but so like has our our entire roster, and um, you know I'd be giving up on the season if I played our rookies and stuff like this. Like it genuinely to me feels like that he just doesn't like his roster right now and is generally pissed about the season and is not able to refrain himself from expressing that publicly. And I think his team notices. So
1: something I've talked about with him and you expressed something that really jumped out to me because I've said since he, 2017 that he manages a game like a pissed off Madden player. (laughs) Like, like the the Trey Lance touchdown against the Packers right at the end of the first half, it's like they they had nine shots from inside the fifteen and just couldn't get in the end zone. And it was like he was just pissed off and was like, "Fine, here I'm going to put in Lance and I'm going to do this. If this doesn't work, I'm quitting." <laughs> and he's done that. I don't have specific examples, but there this like I said, this has happened before, where it's like he he doesn't call a timeout or he runs a certain play. And it's like, it's like, well, t- relax, like relax. It's like a pissed off Madden player. Right. And it, what you're describing about the way he's talking about his players is how <laughs> I would talk about my players if I was losing in Madden. this guy sucks and yeah, this whole team stinks and I'm going to do like, that's how it comes across. Like they're not executing the way he and his psycho football brain wants them to execute. And so (laughs) rather than being like, Hey, here's how to get better. He's just like, these guys suck. (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't know, man. Yeah. And it's, yeah, there's some nice things to say about Ambry Thomas though. Watch out! I mean, had a good thing, couple
3: weeks. The thing to me that's a little weird too is like, and I know maybe it maybe it's just an offense defense thing because obviously he's an offensive coach, but like there just doesn't seem to be consistency with the tolerance of like what it takes to like play and like guys you're keeping on the bench, right? Totally. Like, why does Drake Kirkpatrick have way more of a leash than Brandon Ayuk did early in the season? right like why or something yeah like why is josh norman given so much leeway when like if a receiver did the things that josh norman has done or whatever the receiver equivalent is like that guy would be banished right what i mean (laughs) totally that's what it feels like so there there are inconsistencies there too and it's just like that i don't this isn't beneficial to anybody like, and- what message is Kyle Shanahan sending by, like, not really reprimanding Josh Norman at all for completely losing his mind in a key moment? And Josh Norman, by the way, like, one of his other NFL blowups, this wasn't his only one, came against Odell Beckham Jr., like, all those years ago when when those two, like, fought. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like, like, on the field, yeah.
3: Yeah, like, Odell Beckham Jr. is probably going to be there Monday night. <laughs> yep. What, you're going to throw Josh Norman out there so he can lose his, lose his head again? Maybe well, like at the entire world is like, Hey, Brandon, Ike's good. Why isn't he like, what's going on?
1: <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, it's a baffling. Like you always hear trust and consistency. Kyle, you said that about, about Trey Sermon on the pod the other day. Mm-hmm. He's like, he just needs to keep building that trust and, and consistency. How do you do that without getting in games? Yeah. Like, is he just bad in the meeting room? And because of that, he's a, just a no go. I don't. I I, genu- I genuinely have no idea. Like maybe he gets into practice and he's just horrible, and can't
3: suit up. But yeah, again, like it's it's one of those like, things. Like
1: you said, is is Drake Kirkpatrick just he, he? They trust him so, regardless of how ass he is at football, uh, keep running him out there. He's responsible harsh, for but.
3: two of their most embarrassing moments of the season. Yes, but consistency or something. <laughs> he's consistently embarrassing yeah and like i feel bad like saying these things about him because i like you know it's his livelihood on the line and stuff and it's not personal but it's just like man like
1: i feel there are nfl players who
3: help you and then there are nfl players who hurt you and right now he's very squarely in a certain category
1: right i want to make it very clear i'm talking about drake kirkpatrick in the scope of nfl players he's one of the greatest football players he is in the top one percent of one percent of football players on the planet I'm a guy's talking into a microphone (laughs) need that to be very clear. I don't think he's actually a bad athlete or something. I know right now, as you listen to this post 49ers loss to the Cardinals that going to a 49er game may not sound like that much fun. I get it. I understand it, but the 49ers next home game is week 10 against the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night football. And let me tell you, there's nothing better than being in the stadium. And then they announce that they're going live to ESPN and the Monday night football theme drops. And there's this really unique electricity that kind of like ripples through the crowd and anything can happen on a Monday night. And if the 49ers go in and beat the Rams, who they always play tough on Monday night football, um, it really puts a lot of this Cardinals loss behind them. And you'll want to be in the building for that. And there's no other place that you should be getting your tickets then tickpick.com it is the single greatest place on the internet to get 49ers tickets. You want to know why? It's because Tick Pick, that's TickPick that's T I C K P I C K is the original no fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for any and all NFL tickets. So TickPick got rid of those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge where you find these really cheap tickets and then you go to check out and all the fees and everything wind up being more than your actual tickets. I've experienced that more than once, they've eliminated those. It allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site, TickPick will give you 100% of the difference in the purchase price. I had a couple of buddies hit me up. They wanted to go to a Niners game, and they said, hey, do you have a plug on tickets? No. First of all, like, who do you think I am? I blog about the team, and I do a podcast. But... I can hook you up this way. I can hook you up with TickPick. TickPick.com slash Candlestick. And they went there. They got their tickets. They had a great time at the game. Despite the outcome, they had a great time at Levi Stadium. So you should do the same thing because you want to be in the building for Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams. I'm telling you, if you haven't been to a Monday Night Football game, there's no experience like it. It's one of my favorite things to do. As a sports fan, you can be there for the best price with tickets from TickPick.com slash Candlestick. Use that link today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com slash Candlestick.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: uh let's do pick six yeah no let's go who's first pick six you pick three players I pick three players that we think are going to have a good week against the Los Angeles Rams I believe I picked first last week I had Elijah Mitchell uh you pick first this week 49ers Rams at Levi Stadium Monday Night Football your first pick
3: um it's not going to be Daniel Brunskill (laughs)
1: um
3: man like I want to pick Debo but I would just imagine that Jalen Ramsey's just going to follow him uh you know what I'll take Nick Bosa because I think if there's a weakness on the Rams it's their offensive line And I think Nick Bosa is the best player on the 49ers defensive line and actually quite easily the best player on their defense right now. Um, And if there's going to be a guy who gives the 49ers an opportunity, it's going to be him because he's the one most likely to make a third down sack or hit Matt Stafford as he throws leading to an interception or something like that. So I'm going to go with Nick Bosa first overall pick.
1: I like that. If uh, you're going to slow this Rams offense down, you need to impact the quarterback. Like Matthew Stafford is very quietly the MVP right now. Mm. Kyler Murray's hurt. Lamar Jackson was really bad against the Dolphins on Thursday Night Football. He's an MVP candidate. He's he's the quietest of the MVP candidates. I meant. Okay. So I'm going to go with Debo Samuel with my first pick. Because I think what the 49ers are going to do is a lot like what they did to the Rams at Levi Stadium last year, where they get horizontal a lot. And the way you do that is with the jet sweeps to Debo Samuel, with those quick screens of the the tunnel screens, the quick throws, and regardless of whether Jalen Ramsey's following him around or not, if, if Debo's catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage and then getting behind, you know, Trent Williams or whoever it is, he's already hard enough to tackle. So we haven't seen a ton of that jet sweep stuff from Debo this year. I think we're going to see more of it on Monday Night Football. And I think there's been some stuff that the 49ers haven't been doing offensively that they're going to do uh, because they they if they're going to keep their season alive, they need to win tonight or on Monday night, I mean, and their next couple. And if you're going to get this offense rolling, it has to start
3: rolling through number 19. All good points. I agree. I think it's a good pick.
1: Like, I think I think it's going to look, because remember that game against against the Rams is actually their last home win at, at Levi Stadium. They, they, I think Debo had like nine or 10 catches in that game and they were all behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm or within a yard of the line of scrimmage. But that was because Garoppolo was still hurt and couldn't really plant and push the ball down the field. Now he can a little bit. And I think it's going to make that jet motion tunnel screen game a lot more effective.
3: I like the pick. Thanks. Um, I'm going to go, I mean, this is pretty chalky, but I'm looking up some numbers here and I I feel good about it. Shout out, Doug. (laughs) Uh, Doug's one of the best. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going to pick George Kittle because in seven games against the Rams, he averages 92 yards a game, and he scored four touchdowns against him. Jeez. And he has more touchdowns against the Rams than any other team. Um, he averages 16 and a half yards per catch. He's caught 68 percent of his targets, which is about normal, um, and he averages almost six catches a game against the rams so for all those reasons i'm gonna go george kittle i also think like you know that if jalen ramsey does shadow debo samuel then that's going to leave an opportunity for george kittle in the middle of the field potentially um so yeah because of his past success against him because i don't love the middle of their defense in terms of their linebackers and their safeties as far as covering george kittle potentially if kittle's fully healthy um I think Kittle could have another 100-yard touchdown performance.
1: Okay. I'm going to stick with a player that I took last week, and I'm going to take him again this week. I'm going to take the other wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk. And yeah. I mentioned it a little bit with the Debo Samuel stuff as the 49ers. I think you can use Ayuk to, to spread the Rams out horizontally, but I think Ayuk's going to be a player who can – Stretch the field vertically, you know, Debo Samuel on a on a jet motion, you fake that. And then Ayuk gets open down the field. I don't think it'll be Jalen Ramsey covering him. Ramsey will either have Kittle or Debo. So I think Ayuk is going to get a lot of opportunities. We saw him really break out last week against Arizona. He was six catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. And I think we see an even better game from him this week because you can't cover everybody. And I think the Rams, I think he's going to be the guy that the Rams are going to say, uh, let him beat us because you don't want George Kittle or, or Debo Samuel to beat you.
3: I like it. It's a good pick. I'm also, I'm going to go, I'm going to round this out with, uh, with a real, a real deep hipster decision here. Um, I agree with everything you said about Ayuka. I think the idea of him having a, like a breakout game on a Monday night would, would go a long way to giving the 49ers a spark. Like, honestly, as bad as things have gone for the 49ers, I'm still sort of waiting. I'm not going to say I, I'm expecting them to win because I'm not, but I'm still sort of waiting if they have one of these games where it's like, okay, they were they played 60 minutes of really good football and everything that was mm-hmm. supposed to happen did. And because it's a f- familiar opponent being against the Rams and and how sideways things have gone, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for, for that to happen. And I think if that does happen, Ayuk would be a significant part of it. Um, yeah. Along those similar lines, I wanted to take Elijah Mitchell, but it, I the, when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of an easy pick. So I wanted to open up a, a different sort of discussion here. I want to take Jeff Wilson jr. Oh, because. Okay. And maybe he doesn't play at all. Cause he's not ready yet. Um, but what this 49ers offense needs is a spark. And mm-hmm. with the running style of Jeff Wilson jr. And sort of his real physical nature, um, And the type of runs that he does, I feel like is very different from Elijah Mitchell. And they haven't been putting any of their Jeff Wilson Jr. Runs on film yet because he hasn't been out there. So there's an element of doing stuff that the Niners haven't done yet with Elijah Mitchell. And it could potentially give them a spark that they need. Right. And again, it's kind of an outside, you know, it's a shot in the dark. I'm not saying I'm expecting this to happen, but if you're Kyle Shanahan and you, you know, you can't just keep doing the same thing with the same players over and over again. And, and Jamichael hasty, their third down back for reasons that are still entirely unclear to me. He's, he's not practicing or he didn't practice on Thursday because of an ankle injury. So it could be that Jeff Wilson jr. Does have a big role. And I would expect given that he was active last week and Trey Sermon wasn't, I would expect Wilson to be that guy. Um, to be the number two uh, behind Elijah Mitchell, and if he gets rolling, Kyle Shanahan could try to run could, could try to stick with a hot hand, and maybe he is that guy who provides the offensive spark that it needs. Because I think even Kyle Shanahan can realize, like I, th- we need something else. It's not going to come a quarterback, punch. but they need something else.
1: Got that shoulder punch goes to his dark place.
3: Yeah, if if he plays well, there will be a lot of dark place thoughts
1: content
2: <laughs> yeah. if you I don't like know
3: elijah mitt uh <laughs> jeff wilson jr after that um patriots game last year when he had what three touchdowns and 100 yards yeah. before hurting himself um talked about going to his dark place and that's what allows him to to run with such intensity and ferocity so maybe maybe the dark place is is what the 49ers need on sunday monday totally monday night game nine Niners-Rams, Monday night, send tweet. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: was my favorite. Adam Schefter, it was like his brain was, uh, what's it called? Not backfiring, like when an electrical thing like fizzes out.
3: Yeah, it was. me out. I couldn't tell if he was having a meltdown or if he was just like really staunchly reinforcing his reporting that Odell Beckham was going to the Rams.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. It was entertaining. It was a though. weird, it was a weird sequence of events that went yeah. down. It was a weird but tentative. a weird thing surrounding Odell Beckham Jr., not necessarily a huge surprise. Um my pick, I needed somebody on defense because I took two wide receivers. What if I was just thinking? Like, Trent Shirtfield? No. Um <laughs> I think Jimmy Ward, if the 49ers are going to come up with stops. I think that Jimmy Ward can play a pretty significant part in that because of his ability to go in and cover in the slot and just play man, especially against a guy like Cooper Cup, who he's had success against in the past. And I think if D'Amigo Ryans does it right, when the Rams do split out out Odell Beckham Jr. and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, rather than trying to throw Drake Kirkpatrick or Ambry Thomas or whoever on the field, um, Sliding Jimmy Ward down, assuming Jimmy Ward plays, he didn't practice Thursday, but Kyle Shanahan said he expects him to practice Friday and is optimistic that he can play on Monday. If Ward plays, I think he becomes a really, really important chess piece for the Niners defense against a loaded Rams offense. Um, So I don't know if he comes up with an interception or anything like that. Like Matthew Stafford is prone to throw the bad pick here and there, but I think if it's third and eight and he can get a pass breakup on Cooper Cup on just kind of one of the Rams go to plays and, you know, force a punt. That's the kind of stuff that I think Ward can do. We've seen him do it before against the Rams. And if the Niners are going to get a couple of stops, I think that's the kind of play it's going to come down to.
3: Jimmy Ward might not play because of that quad issue. Can I throw you a bone and give you an opportunity to make another pick in case Jimmy Ward doesn't play? So we can, when we divvy up the results, it's not like oh I won because Jimmy Ward didn't play. Swing
1: and a miss, yeah. Um, yeah. But
3: but if he does play, he has to be the pick. I'm. I want to make that. Yeah, no, that's. But if he doesn't play, then you'll have a you'll have a secondary guy.
1: Okay, great. I love that. Um. (laughs) I'm going to stick with the defense. Give me a Samson Ebukam revenge game.
3: Ooh, there you go. Hey, there's special teams possibility with Samson Ebukam. Like maybe, point. maybe he like forces a fumble on a punt return or something. I like that. Really good point. Yeah, uh, but no,
1: no D Ford. Um, I just I could see Samson Ebukam just. I'm what I do in these in these situations where I'm kind of guessing. Mm-hmm. Is I go into my into my imagination and I think about like listening to Steve Levy, you know, talk about that's Samson Abukom's second sack of the game, and you know, he played for the Rams and this and that, and they let him walk, and he's letting them know tonight. I could just I could see it. Yeah. I can envision that in my brain. <laughs> and I wasn't prepared to make another pick, so that's
3: what I'm going with. No, I, I put you on in the spot, Jimmy but Ward doesn't play. I feel pretty confident that Ebukam will play. So if Ward doesn't play, then that's your pick. But if Ward yes. does play, if Ebukam has if they... has a pick six and four sacks, you don't get credit.
1: <laughs> I'm going to take credit, but not for the game. I just okay. want to my imagination of Steve Levy calling a big Samson Abukam defensive play didn't
3: let me down. I have no idea what our record is against each other in this exercise.
1: I don't either. I haven't but been keeping I want,
3: track. I want to make sure that the uh, the results when we tally them are fair. I don't want you to yeah, just no, be out you. of it because Jimmy Ward doesn't play.
1: Totally. Thanks, man.
3: Yeah, no problem.
1: That's big of you.
2: Yeah. What can I do? <laughs> what
3: can- <laughs> <laughs> um all right? Let's get out of here. That was a long podcast. I think we it I think we hit on a lot of good topics, though.
1: We had a lot to say. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't. We will be back Wednesday. We'll record a podcast Tuesday with Monday night.
3: Unless you want to just go super late night Monday.
1: We'll see. I don't know. We'll be back Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Monday night games really throw off our week. Yeah. But either way, we will be bringing content to you after the game. Talking about... The 49ers Monday Night matchup against the Rams, where they'll either put themselves back in the conversation, or we'll be talking about why Trey Lance should probably start the rest of the year,
3: which Chris would talk about whether they were. Or we could just talk about Ben Peterson. I don't know.
2: Okay. <laughs> See you guys. See ya.